Welcome to Marketing Mambo with your host, Terry McDougall. It's the fun and fast podcast where we cha-cha-chat with marketing movers and shakers from around the globe. It's Terry with Marketing Mambo, and I had such a great conversation with world-renowned brand expert Elon Gava last week on Marketing Mambo that I had way too much content for just one episode. So Elon, welcome back, and we're going to continue our conversation and really delve into how do brand and marketing work together? And Elon has some really great insights on that. So with that, Elon, I'm going to ask you the question. One of the things that you talked about, you made a distinction between branding and marketing. Tell me, how does branding fit within marketing? How would you talk about these two things in relationship to each other? Marketing is when you have a brand, you can market it. If you don't have a brand, you have nothing to market. It's very simple to me. This is a very simple explanation. (laughs) You must have something that you can then say something about. You must have a brand and say, oh, buy us because we are blah, 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 blah. Buy us because customers love us because we do this. But if you don't have that, what are you going to market? Yeah. And I learned it while I was working in advertising, because when you get a brief from a client in advertising, sometimes as a customer, I read the brief and I said to my client, why are you saying that you can do this? I'm using your product. You cannot do that. Why do you want me to put an ad or create a TV commercial claiming that your washing powder can remove grease stains? It cannot. I know it. I'm using your product. Okay. And so the marketing people are looking at me like I'm some kind of a traitor. No, I'm not. I'm just a consumer. Fix everything inside. Do everything in-house before you tell your marketing people what to market. And by the way, there is a very big distinction that people used in the past the terms marketing for one specific thing and the term sales for another thing. Today, there is a complete blur between the two terms as well as the departments within organizations. So when you hire as a chief marketing officer, you're basically responsible for sales. You're the chief sales officer and you are judged by the sales and marketing is a different function. So that is why chief marketing officers, the longevity of that job on average is what? 40 months? Yeah. And that's it. You don't build brands in 40 months. I'm sorry. Right. The relationship of clients with agencies are what? Two years? 10 years? The best brands in the world have worked with their agencies for years and years. Yeah. To me, it's a proof of consistency. Yeah, I agree with you. And I think that what that symbolizes is a lack of understanding of branding and marketing and the role that it plays in the sales cycle. One of the things that's come up a lot in Marketing Mambo is that a lot of times in large corporations, there's not a a depth of understanding of marketing and how strategic good marketing is. And a lot of times there's expectations that, okay, marketing can pull a rabbit out of a hat and 
that's going to have a positive impact on sales. And to your point, if you've got a product that's not well thought out or a brand that people don't really understand what the brand stands for, marketing's not going to be able to fix that. And right. and I also think that there's got to be pretty seamless integration between sales and marketing for it to work very well. And I've often seen that there's actually conflict between sales and marketing. And a lot of times that does come out of not really understanding the roles that each of those functions play and trying to increase sales. Yep, I agree. I have another point of view on organizations, whether they are manufacturing organizations or service organizations, but I look at them and I try to look at their board of directors because most of those big brands are publicly traded companies. When I see that the board of directors is made only of executives who do not understand branding. They're only financial people, lawyers, people like that with category-specific experience, but not overall understanding of branding. Those organizations, I think, are doomed to experience some difficulty. If you allow your, not only board of directors, but the management of the company, if you allow those people, I say on purpose, the creatives, the free spirits, if you allow them to be part of the message, you may gain much more. By the way, going back to Apple, that was indeed part of the brand because Johnny Ivey, the chief of design, was in the top management of the company. And Lee Clow from Shire Day Agency in Los Angeles was one of the best friends that Steve Jobs had. He was a real CEO whisperer, okay, Lee Clow. Mm-hmm. And when he was sitting with, with Steve Jobs and they were talking about things, I'll bet you anything that they created a lot of what Apple the brand is today. And I'm talking about 30 years ago. Yeah, I agree with you. And there's a fundamental difference in the way that right and left brain people look at the world. And when we're talking about Apple, they were imagining something that hadn't been created yet. And they were making a bet that they could, they understood humans and they created something that they thought was exciting, that other people would want that too. And that's hard because that's getting out beyond people's current perception of what's possible or what is. And I think with a lot of financial people, they're used to, if we put all of this in this formula, we know we're going to get a consistent output if we use a formula. But we're not talking about that. We're talking about creating something that hasn't happened yet and being willing to make a bet. And uh, I can imagine imagine that's scary. If you're sitting on the board of directors and you're the CEO and your compensation is tied, you want a sure thing, but the future is unwritten and what's worked in the past is not necessarily going to work in the future. I think it takes some courage to go there. Yep. I spoke about something before about consistency, which is a very important term in building a brand. But there's another term, which is commitment. You have to be 100% committed to the process. And that's also the difference between marketing and branding. I call branding, branding is breathing. You never stop. Okay. Marketing is a band-aid. When you have a little scratch, you put a Band-Aid. So you come up with another advertising campaign. So what? That's not branding. If you stop breathing, which is living your brand, then you don't exist. 
And, and that's where the commitment, not only of the CEO of the company, which I take for granted, they should understand, the board of directors and each and every employee in the company. They must understand the brand. They must be committed to the brand. And unfortunately, if there are people that do not see eye to eye what the principles and the DNA of the brand is, they shouldn't be there. Right. Because they stand in the way. I agree with you. They're causing resistance and confusion around the brand. Yeah. And that's that's deadly whenever there's confusion about the brand and what does it stand for. When you talked earlier about your chat with the person in the Apple store. I was thinking about Southwest Airlines and how they've got a certain way that they go about it, right? That it, you don't have reserved seats. They don't have first class. All of the seats are the same. And they've done some things that are really innovative. But one of the things that I have always admired about them is that they empower their employees to deliver on the brand promise. And I think that's really important. And it has caused that experience to be very different flying on Southwest. And people can say better or worse if you don't have reserved seats. You know what you're getting when you fly Southwest. And it's, it can be more fun sometimes, right? Because the employees are enjoying what they're doing and they, they understand that they are empowered to deliver on something that it's not prescriptive. It's more like this is the brand, deliver on it. We just talked about a couple of brands and it's very important that those brands started from nothing southwest airlines started with herb Kelleher from zero apple started with steve jobs and steve wozniak from nothing so that's one kind of a brand when you start from the beginning and you have a vision okay before you have a mission you have a vision what you want to be what kind of role you want to play in the world and I'll bet you anything, Steve Wozniak and Steve Jobs did not have a vision because they were two dumb kids trying to yeah. build a computer and sell it. That was their biggest vision. But yeah. once they started to grow a little and they expanded the operation, that's when they stopped and said, okay, do we want to be when we grow up? And that's when they started to do things right. And Steve Jobs, hats off to him on that. Herb Kelleher was the same. Herb looked at the industry and said, how can I do things that better serve people in a more efficient way, more egalitarian way? And he created an airline that is like no other. Yeah. And the legacy continues. That's the beauty about those brands. They have yeah. a legacy. Now, there are, of course, different stages in the life of a brand the birth of the brand, then the growth, then the maturity, and then the decline. And what I find myself busy helping people is to understand exactly the stage that their brand is in right now, because that's critical. If they act like a newcomer when they're already a 30-year-old brand, it's not going to convince anybody. So a new ad campaign is not going to save them. If they're in decline, maybe they have to treat things that they didn't pay attention to before and not necessarily go to the bank for another loan, okay? This is why branding is so different from marketing because you look at so many different aspects and you have to really understand what's going on at each stage and how you interface with your customers.
Yeah. A lot of times you hear people talk about brand identity, but that's truly what it is. And when you were talking earlier about the Band-Aid versus breathing, what struck me is like the brand is the body, right? It's the thing that we're interacting with on so many different fronts and you don't have to market. And there are companies that don't market and they still make money because people do know the brand. But anyway, before we close, I do want to ask you about something I mentioned in the introduction, which is that you're an expert on medical tourism. What is medical tourism? In a nutshell, it's about people that travel from their place of residence to another location to seek medical treatment. Now, traveling to another location doesn't mean to another country. It could be a patient who lives in Alabama, and because they don't have adequate specified medical service there, they have to travel to New York to seek treatment. That's already medical travel. However, the bigger plot is travel from one country to another. And it's been done since ancient times. The Greeks went to Egypt and people in Europe went to Hungary because of the natural baths and you name it. However, it became a big business and it's an uncontrolled business. It's a business that has no data and a lot of competition. There's about a hundred countries in the world that declare that they provide services. And the reason for people going there is because it's cheaper, because most of it is not covered by insurance. Those are treatments that people seek because they cannot get it in their place of residence or they cannot get it fast enough. For the European Union, for example, any resident of any country in the EU can get medical treatment for free in another EU country. The question is, why do they go even to another country? Because the waiting line in their country could be six months. If they don't want to wait, they can go to another country. So there are many reasons why people do this, but this is in a nutshell. So I work with, number one, I work with countries that want to build their brand as a medical tourism destination, in which case I may work with the Ministry of Health which I did in a few countries. I worked face-to-face with the Minister of Health, envisioning what the country can offer to the world. In other cases, I can work with hospitals or even cities to build the brand of the city as a medical tourism destination. Why? Because they have blah, 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 a cluster of hospitals and clinics and whatever. Then I work with hospitals, clinics, and individual doctors. I help all of them to understand, number one, what is the competition, what market they operate in, who their target audience would be, and what they should do in order to address that target audience. I also do it in the U.S. with clinics that are in states, let's say, Utah or Kansas, and they seek help because they want to attract people from other states. Okay. Yeah, I I could definitely see where there's opportunity for triage in a way, right? If you're in Long Island or something and you need to have some something done that's not covered by insurance, you might go to Kansas because it's yes. less expensive. Or one of the things I was thinking about was how there's so much plastic surgery in Brazil. 
And I don't know if there's a lot of medical tourism going from the States into Brazil, but I would imagine that there's probably a difference in the cost to go to Brazil and get certain things done. And and they're pretty advanced and and innovative when it comes to plastic surgery. Brazil has a tradition of the carnival and people are literally naked in the carnival. (laughs) So they worship a beautiful body. Uh-huh. That's why Brazil started, and there was one specific doctor who built the brand of Brazil by doing, out of everything else, butt surgeries. That's <laughs> yeah. it. Lift your butt. <laughs> Colombia is another destination, and in many Hispanic communities, giving a girl a gift for the quinceanera is to give her plastic surgery to make her more beautiful so that she will be more successful in life. And on the other side of the globe, Korea is a major destination for cosmetic surgery. And I'm talking about facial cosmetic surgery. And they have, I don't know, 10,000, 15,000 different clinics that do only that. And Korea is the major destination in the world for facial cosmetic surgery. And that's a cultural thing. Some, you can argue, you can look at a woman and think she's really beautiful, but in her mind, she doesn't meet the criteria of beauty in her community. And she will fly all the way from LA to do a very painful surgery in Korea because of that. Huh, so interesting. This is why I love doing Marketing Mambo because I love hearing about these different perspectives that I had no idea about. So Elon, thank you so much for being with me today. I really appreciate your perspectives on branding and marketing and then learning more about medical tourism. So where can people find you? My website is very simple. It's elanbrands.com. One word, elanbrands.com. And my email is elan, I-L-A-N, at elanandfriends.com. I'll put all of that in the show notes. Thank you very much for being with me today. I really enjoyed our conversation. Thank you. It was really fun. And I hope that the rest of the day will be as good as it started. Thanks for listening to this episode of Marketing Mambo. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe, like, and share. I'd love to hear from you. Check out the show notes for my social media and contact information. Until next time, adios.